highlighting all the local and national stories which impact you. So when you retire and you have property and you invest and God forbid the market does well, I should give you almost half of my money. Are you out of your mind? You're out of your mind. Half of my money? I worked hard for it and you get to take it because I have it? That's garbage. What you're telling me is that I should not try to become rich. I shouldn't try to make more money. I shouldn't try to take care of my family. I should just live off the STEMI. Bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. Allyship. If somebody tells me one more time to let other people be an ally, I might get arrested. People already think that we're useless. People already think that we don't have the ability to do anything for ourselves, so they have to help us. And I don't understand that. African Americans can do things for themselves. They can build businesses, hire people, create jobs, invest, make money, buy houses. We can do all these things. Frank, candid, and straight to the point. This is the truth of the afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris. Sponsored by Concordia University on 1017 The Truth and The Truth app. I'm not going to get into voting laws. Oh, we got to change the voting laws. It's racist for black people. Why is it only racist for black people? Everybody else vote? Oh, you think black people is too stupid to get an ID card? Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio in Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. All right. uh, Welcome back to The Truth in the Afternoon. I'm Earl Ingram filling in for Dr. Ken Harris. Uh, live from American Family Insurance Studio at Radio City. Uh, on the line, as promised, Dr. Umar Johnson. Hey, dear brother, how you doing, man? It's been a long time. Absolutely. Peace and pan-Africanism. Thanks for having me back on the Broadway, on the broadcast. It's been about six long years since I last been to Milwaukee. You know, um, the last time uh, you were in Milwaukee, we... Um, we we had you uh, appear at Coffee Makes You Black, and uh, yeah, which is ah, yes, one yes, of, yes. you know one of our gathering places here. And uh, man, man, it's it's amazing that it's been that long. But I see you're still fighting the battle. Absolutely. Let me ask you a question, Baba Earl. Um, were you the brother, or did you introduce me to the brother at that coffee shop who gave me a bottle? of the the honey or the syrup that they put inside of the tea. Yeah, I'm the brother who introduced you to uh, to that okay. brother. Okay, I still remember that. I still <laughs> you got a great memory. That. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You got a great memory. Brother, I'm talking. I, I, I've been talking this, uh, the first hour of this show, about the fact that Milwaukee uh, ranks worse as is uh, in the nation in African American well-being, and uh, you know, 33 percent of blacks in Milwaukee uh, live in poverty, and it's worse than almost any other. It is worse than any other city in the nation. Man, you travel the nation, the world. Um, it's not like Milwaukee is alone. Um, I thought things were supposed to have gotten better once they elected, once we elected a black president. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. And I am proud to say that I might be the only scholar of national stature who predicted 
before Barack Obama became president that black people would be in the worst condition after he left office. And that is exactly what has happened. And you can almost predict for any locale or jurisdiction where we live, I don't care if we're voting for the mayor, I don't care if we're voting for the governor, the president, city council, black people almost always do worse under black elected officials, not because they're necessarily bad people, but because most of them are married to the Democratic Party and they do not have an independent thinking bone in their bodies. The biggest issue I have with the black elected official is that you are loyal to a organization, the Democratic Party, that is not loyal to black people. So if you claim to be about the business of black liberation, how can you be a member? How can you be party to an organization that hasn't done anything for black people, at least not in recent memory? And if we want our politicians to become effective, we have to force them out of the Democratic Party and into the world of independent candidacy. For me, I no longer vote for black politicians who are not running on an independent ticket. Because if you're not an independent candidate, you don't have an independent mind, you don't have an independent pocket, you don't have independence of action, and you don't have an independent program. That means you're a Democratic plantation slave, and I don't have time to be voting for slaves. You know, Dr. Johnson, there, there, there are many black elected officials whose response is always, well, we don't get any money from the black community to run. And I'm like, because you don't try to, <laughs> you don't try to. The minute a Negro decides they want to run for office, the first thing they do is they go and sit up under some white organization or bank or corporation. Okay. And they sit there and beg the white folks for a couple crumbs in order to finance their campaign. They do the same thing. They run to the democratic party. In fact, one of the biggest reasons why they're Democrats is because they want the backing of the Democratic Party financially and electorally so that they can, you know, have enough cover to win the election. They're not even I would argue that most black people who run for office are not really thinking about the best interests of black people. They are very similar to black pastors in that regard, in that the black pastor and the black politician has the community thinking they are community servants, but really they're just serving themselves. There's five major problems, Baba Earl, that black America has. Anybody running for office, anybody in office, if you don't have a plan to address any one of these five problems, which I refer to as the five-headed dragon that white supremacy has dropped off in every single black community in America, if you don't have a program to deal with them, then you are useless. And you need to get out the way and give the seat to someone else. Those five problems are mass incarceration, miseducation, gentrification, economic apartheid, and police genocide. If you don't have a plan for police genocide, economic apartheid, mass incarceration, miseducation, or gentrification, you are a waste of my vote and you are a waste of my time. And the sad thing about it, Bob Earl, is 99 0.9% of all black elected officials in America don't have a plan for the five-headed dragon. You know, uh, Doc, it's um, it's sad because those of us who've been around a while, uh, 
remember when there was only a handful of black elected officials. And now, you know, even in the city where I'm talking about the worst in the nation, we've got more black elected officials, man, than we've, uh, uh, you can shake a stick at in, in leadership positions. And in many instances, uh, they are not forced to do anything because our community is not politically savvy. And so because they're not politically savvy, then they suffer. And so we get out, we mobilize, we rally, and people say, well, we got to get out and vote. You know, uh, Dr. Johnson's running, uh, and we got to make history because he's going to be the first black treasurer. So let's all rally and get Dr. Johnson uh, elected to city treasurer. What does it matter that he's the first black city treasurer when there's nothing he can do but a black community, and the black community buys into that. Absolutely, Baba Earl, but here's the thing. The black bourgeoisie does an excellent job of making the black underclass and the black working class and the black poverty class think that their battles are our battles. See, in order to win, they need that vote. They're not going to do anything for you after they get it. But they need that vote. So how do I get people to vote for me who I'm not interested in and who I'm not going to fight for? I have to make them think that I care, and I have to make them think that my fight is actually their fight. And it's two different fights. The black bourgeoisie is not fighting to stop police genocide. They are not fighting to fix the schools. They are not fighting to reduce poverty. They are fighting to improve their income and their opportunities in the white world. That is it. Barack Obama became president to increase his income and his opportunities in the white world. What is him and Michelle doing right now? Running around selling those two damn books, those biographies that they wrote, which everybody wants to read, only because you were the first black president and you were the first black woman to sleep in that bed and not as a concubine. And so because of that, they're making millions on top of millions of dollars, and that's fine for them, but here's what I want to know. How much of that money y'all making off those books, which are on target to become the highest selling biographies in American history and the second highest book ever sold in this country only to the Holy Bible? I'm going to say that again. Barack and Michelle's autobiographies may be the highest selling book in American history, second only to the Holy Bible. But here's my question. How much of that money are they going to recycle to the ghettos of America to address some of the problems that he ignored eight years in office while he was running around uh, partying to the LBGTQs, the immigrants, the white feminist movement, and everybody else. So that's my thing. How much money are you going to invest in the problems that you refuse to address when you was in office? The black politician is a con. The black preacher is a con. They do not do service to the black community. They simply convince black people that they're going to do service. So, brother, they are not on our side. So, brother, the underclass does not even expect anything. They just are excited to see black faces in those places. And, and, and that's why church and politics go hand in hand. See, the black politician loves the black preacher, and the black preacher loves the black politician. See, the reason the black politician loves the black preacher is because the preacher convinces his uh, 
what do you call it, the congregation to not blame the politician for not doing anything for you. See, this is not a preacher. He makes you go out and vote. Vote or die. Vote or die. Vote or die. Vote or die. You go out and vote so you don't die. Then you still die anyway. And then when you ask the preacher, why are we still dying after you told us if we vote, we would get changed? Then he goes back into his Jesus routine and he says, well, it's not up to us. I don't make the decisions. The, the state rep don't make the decisions. The councilman don't make the decisions. The U.S. senator don't make the decisions. The governor don't make the decisions. <laughs> it's all up to God. Well, if it was all up to God the day after Election Day, why wasn't it up to God on Election Day? Why didn't you give me the same speech on Election Day? And the reason he couldn't give you the same speech on Election Day is because the politician told him that if he wants that $100,000 community block grant, if you want that $100,000 community block grant that I got, you better get your congregation out to vote for me. You see, so they scratch each other's backs. The politician gives the church the money, and the church gives the politicians the votes. Two hustlers, same congregation. You, you, you know, uh, uh, dear brother, it is, it is so, man, beautiful to hear uh, your conversation because, uh, look, man, I'm, I'm at a point where, uh, I don't, people, I vote, you know, and uh, and when I vote, I don't really expect to get anything out of it. You know, I am conditioned, I, I'll say that at, at my age that, uh, you know, I, I go out and vote. But uh, the younger generation, you hear my generation condemning them for not voting. The younger generation knows that something is up. Because their lives are uh, not exactly, you know, um, uh, headed down the primrose path, and they really don't give a rip about voting, and they're in survival mode. And, and then you hear many of those elected officials say, well, our people don't vote. What do they expect if they don't vote? And my response they always don't is— vote because my, they have learned through experience that voting— Delivers nothing to them in the form of resources. (laughs) Exactly. Black people not voting, Baba Earl, is a natural response to voting over and over again and getting nothing for it. And they're never going to get nothing for it because the people they're voting for are controlled by the white power structure. Until the black community starts funding its own politicians. Voting is not enough. We got to get out of that. Black people think all I got to do is vote. You're wrong. You have to finance the campaign if you want to control the outcome. You have to finance the campaign if you want to control the outcome. Here's the question. When is the last time the black community financed a candidate independent? We haven't. I don't know of a place where we've done that. There's a few exceptions, but by and large, we don't finance. All we want to do is vote. So that means whoever financed your black council person, financed your black mayor, financed your black state senators and reps, whoever financed them is whose agenda they're going to push. Uh, I don't care if every black person in Milwaukee voted. Every black person in Milwaukee could have voted for that black person. But if the white bank gave him a million dollars, if Walmart gave him (laughs) $250,000, if Sears and Roebuck gave him $100,000, He's going to dance to the tune of the hand that pays That's because until, the, until we use our money. Baba Earl, we're the only people in America who don't use our financial power to leverage our That's political That's because agenda. the seats are for sale and the exactly. government is for sale. 
And, Absolutely. And, and, so, and you need money to play. Yes. American <laughs> politics is monopoly. American, we've all played monopoly. We've all, when you play monopoly, brother Earl, as you know, when you go around that board, if you ain't got no money, you can't do nothing but go straight to jail. You can't do nothing but go straight to jail. If you want property, if you want politicians, if you want to control preachers, you better be using money. Let's take a let, let, let's look at organized crime, organized white crime, because there's no such thing as organized black crime. If we had organized black crime, we wouldn't see all these innocent uh, black children and black women and pregnant mothers being shot and killed by these goofy Negroes in the community, just put, putting bullet, putting guns in the air and shooting bullets all over the place. So we don't have no organized black crime. We don't. OK. But when you look at organized white crime, you know how they control politics with a briefcase full of money. If they want a certain law passed, a briefcase full of money. They want to buy up a certain zone, a briefcase full of money. They want somebody in office, a briefcase to achieve their political ends except black folks. And we wonder why we don't get nowhere. As long as you vote and you do nothing else, you never get nothing. Money controls politics. Politics does not control money. Doc, Doc, hang on a second. We've got to go to a break. Oh, okay. I guess we can hang on. Uh, can we go to the phone lines? Okay, okay. Sure. Uh, no, no, no. We, and before we do, listen, Earl, before listen, we do, listen, listen, let on, me Doc. let everybody know. Let me let everybody know Dr. Umar will be in Wisconsin twice. Saturday, August the 21st, I will be in Kenosha from 12 to 4 for the Justice for Jacob Blake March in Raleigh, which will be at Civic Center Park, 957th Avenue. That's 957th Avenue in Kenosha, 12 to 4 Civic Center Park, for the March and Rally for our brother Jacob Blake, who was shot and paralyzed August the 23rd of 2000. We still want, of, of, of 2020, excuse me, we still want justice. And then I'll be in Milwaukee the same night, Saturday, August the 21st. Free event, absolutely free. Bring the whole family from 7 until 10. We'll be at the Generation of Excellence Community Center. That's the Generation of Excellence Community Center, 66. West Mill Road. I will be talking about everything we're talking about now with a special focus on the school to prison pipeline. And it will also be the Milwaukee book release for my new book, Baba Earl, Black Parent Advocate, The Art of War for Dealing with America's Public and Charter. So, so let, me, let, me, let me correct you. 6633 West Mill Road. Okay, 6633 West Mill Road. Uh, I apologize, that, Baba. That's what I have, so I must have said it wrong. Yeah, I have 6633. Yeah, yes. Uh, you, you, I got you, 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 West Mill Road, and that's 7 to 10. Come on out, absolutely free. I can't wait to come back. You know, this, this, what are you going to say, Bob? Well, but there's so much uh, to talk about. We don't have to go to a break right now. Uh, so let's move beyond the politics part of it because we know what that is. The, the education of our children and the lack thereof, brother, is, is also – helping to destroy the future. Let's talk a little bit about that, because parents aren't as savvy as they need to be. And and it's not their fault. There's a system set up uh, for them not to be. Absolutely. Here's what I would say. First off, one of the reasons every black parent in Milwaukee needs to get a copy of my book Saturday night, August the 21st, is because this new book, Baba, teaches parents how to respond to the school system. The first half of the book is a collection of letters that parents can reproduce and submit to the school. It's just that simple. If they want to put your kid in special ed and you don't want him there, 
here's the letter you give them. If they want your child on medication and you don't want to put them on no Ritalin, Adderall, Concerta, or Metadate, this is the letter you give. If your child needs special ed but is not getting a quality service, this is the letter you give. If you think your child is mentally gifted and you want them tested, this is the letter you give. So the first half of the book, Baba, is all about showing parents how to respond to whatever the school is trying to do. And the second half of the book teaches them how to read and understand the documentation that the school shoves in their face but never really helps them understand. So I go over the psychological evaluation report. I go over the individual education plan of special ed. I go over the behavior intervention plan. I go over the pre-referral academic intervention plan. I have a chapter on how to homeschool your child. I have another chapter on how to deal with behavior without drugs. There's another chapter on how to conduct yourself at the school meeting. So this book, I'm very proud of it. It's a perfect follow-up to my first book, Psychoacademic Holocaust. And every black parent in the state of Wisconsin need this book because nobody else has ever written a book like this specifically for black parents, teaching them how to fight back. But here's the point, Baba. Go ahead. Well, and quickly, and then I'll let you get back to it. Uh, Man, what you just uh, chronicled uh, is what parents have to deal with when they receive those letters in the mail, I, I know that um, my wife and I took in a disabled child uh, many years ago, so he has the IEP and all those things. And every time we'd be in those IEP meetings, I would tell uh, the people who are there in the IEP meetings, you got to speak in a manner that the parent understands. You're speaking in language that the average parent could never understand, so they're intimidated. That's intentional, Baba. So they're intimidated. Yes, that's the purpose of the meeting, to intimidate the parent into doing whatever the school wants them to do. Why do you think they show up with 10 people for one black parent? You got one mother in there to talk about her son, and you got the principal, the vice principal, the school nurse, the school secretary, the school counselor, the school psychologist. You got the school social worker, the math coach, the great coach. (laughs) Why do you need 10 people for one parent? It's intimidating. Intimidation. Right. Intimidation. They don't want you to understand the documentation. That's why I wrote this book to break it down so parents understand exactly what they stand so you can step in and object to this and say, "Uh uh-uh. First of all, my child is not autistic, okay? He just has social anxiety. Or my child is not autistic. He has a hearing problem. Or my child is not autistic. He underwent some trauma where he may have witnessed the shooting or some domestic violence, and that's why his communication skills are slightly delayed. Autism is real, but it is often misdiagnosed in black children. There's a lot of reasons that can explain behavior that appears to be autistic, but is not autism. Parents need to be educated. And another thing I need to do, Baba, after August 21st, I have to come back to Milwaukee because what I haven't done for Wisconsin is offer my 12-hour Know Your School Rights Black Parent Boot Camp. That is a training I do for parents to turn them into master advocates for their children. We start at 8 in the morning. We go until 8 at night. You must be in your seat by 10 o'clock. If you're not seated by 10 o'clock, you can't get in because you would have already missed too much information to keep up. We provide them with the breakfast. We provide them with the lunch. We provide them with the paperwork. And it is a class. It is not a lecture. I am at the front. I am teaching. I am training. I am testing. And that is something I'm going to have to do in Milwaukee probably this fall. So this August 21st, I'll focus on the message, the lesson, the book, 
the, 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 the lecture, but then I'll come back for the boot camp. You, you know, all of this um, with very, these are very young parents um, who are having to deal uh, with trying to keep food in their children's mouths, a roof over their children's head, uh, and living in war zones, and we somehow expect them to be uh, perfect parents. And I keep telling people, you can't, you can't expect what you expect out of them is more than what they can give. And that's where then the community is supposed to uh, step in, but we don't have that anymore. Um, and and so family members need to step in when they see uh, that maybe their sister or uh, their auntie is in this uh, over her head. And if you have the ability, that's what we're missing. Absolutely. And I'm going to be honest with you, Baba, at this point, if you're a black parent raising children and you don't know who Dr. Umar is, I would probably have to question your sanity. And I'm only saying that because there's very few psychologists who are out here teaching our parents what they need to know in a very honest, direct, and confrontational form. I don't know of another school psychologist who do what I do. I don't know of another black psychologist who does what I do. And the big reason why you don't see them out there on the front line as you see me is because there's so much money to be made, Baba, in the miseducation system and the mental health system that the average black bourgeoisie psychologist would never, ever turn their back on the system to help black people. Baba, they're paying thousands of dollars for these ADHD evaluations, thousands of dollars for these learning disability evaluations. I always say, and I'm not kidding when I say this, if I would go back to the power structure and become a coon, I could be a millionaire oh, yeah. in a year. No, no question. I would be a millionaire. Hands down, I would be a millionaire in a year with the type of money they're paying for the misdiagnosis of black children. And the other thing I wanted to say, too, Baba, is the reason why you never see the schools get better and you never see police genocide get better is because the two biggest unions in America are who? The teachers and, and the police. police. Yes. Let me say that again. <laughs> no the two biggest, most powerful, most well-funded unions in America are the teachers and the police. So if you're waiting for Joe Biden or Barack Obama or Donald Trump or anybody else to make the schools better for black children, you'll be in your grave before that happens. And if you're waiting for them to do something to hold police accountable, you'll be in your grave before that happens. You know why, Baba? Because they need the teachers' votes and the teachers' money. They need the police votes and the police money. There's not a politician in America black or white, who has the guts to take on the teachers' union or the police union. So, so listen, man, I, I can't uh, disagree with that whatsoever. The other part of it is it's ironic that the teachers' unions, uh, as strong and powerful as they are, and clearly uh, because we only make up 12% of the population heavily white, and know really nothing at all about our, our condition, our children, uh, and wherever they've been taught to teach, is it's certainly they haven't been taught to teach black children, uh, and you oh, certainly you, and, and you certainly can see that based on how they act when they see a child, uh, even as I tell people, I've been in schools the last twelve years. 
even the the four five year old kid uh, at those de- early development stages, you've got teachers, white teachers, who don't know how and who are afraid of those children. Absolutely, and let me say this, Baba: you cannot teach a child if you don't love them. That's true. You can't teach them. I don't care how many degrees you got. I don't care if you was national teacher of the year. I don't care if you got your master's as a reading specialist from Harvard. I don't give a damn what your credentials are. When you walk into that class, a child knows if you're there to teach or if you're there to get paid. They know it. You cannot lie. They can feel the energy. And the child responds to the energy of the teacher. If the teacher is there to teach, the child will respond. If the teacher is there to get paid, the child will not even bother. It is an absolute crime that black communities are filled with white people who don't care about black children. And because of white privilege, because of white privilege, and I'm going to talk about this next Saturday night in Milwaukee, because of white privilege, the white teacher is never held accountable for the role she plays in the school to prison pipeline. Whenever they talk about academic failure, whenever they talk about behavioral issues with black children, they always want to blame the mother, blame the father, blame the ghetto, blame gangster rap, blame football and basketball, blame welfare, blame sagging pants, blame mass incarceration. Put all that to the side. Those might be contributing factors, but they are not causes. The number one reason why the black child fails in Milwaukee or anywhere else in the state of Wisconsin is because the white teacher standing in front of them is not a stakeholder, is not committed in their future success. That's why they fail. A child will only grow. A child will only try as hard as you make them and as hard as you are committed to their growth. Show me a lazy child, I'll show you a lazy teacher. You, you know, brother, it is, it is. Uh, those of you who may just be joining us on the line, the one and only uh, Dr. Umar Johnson has uh, decided to grace uh, these airways, and I'm, I'm really glad he did. Uh, you know, it's, it's always, uh, I was at a school today, uh, Dr. Umar, and this is a school that, in theory, is, I think, a perfect way to educate children. It, it goes from K-4 all the way through 12th grade. It's in one building. And, uh, and so, in theory, the way it was set up was if we can get children and parents and educators all on the same page and we can keep them together and the students themselves from the time they're four years old all the way through high school, uh, they can be successful. In theory, what's your take on that kind of a, a system? I'm sorry about that, Baba. That's I heard right. the question. Here's, here, here's my answer. It all depends on who on the, the teachers personnel. are. Yeah. Exactly. Because here's the thing, Baba, and I want to be very clear about this, right? Okay. I go between both worlds of education and mental health. And as a therapist, I create a treatment plan. So let's say, Bobby, you're dealing with uh, cigarette addiction, alcoholism, depression, low self-esteem, bipolar, borderline, whatever your issue is, anxiety disorder. I'm going to create a treatment plan for you. And I'm going to create the best treatment plan there is to deal with your particular problem. But guess what, Bobby? That treatment plan is worthless if I give it to someone who 
doesn't have the technical expertise to implement it, but more importantly, doesn't care about you as a person. I want you to stay with me. So then let's go over to the school building. We can have the best curriculum for the children in Milwaukee, the best curriculum. But guess what? If you don't have the best people implementing that curriculum, meaning that they have the technical expertise to teach it, but they also have the psychological and emotional and social commitment to the growth of that child, I don't care how good the curriculum is, the children will fail. I don't care how good the treatment plan is in therapy, the, 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 the client will get no help. And that's why, Baba, they often try to make our children look like they're unreachable. They try to make our children look like they're unteachable. Because what they'll say is, we brought the best reading program into Milwaukee, and these black kids only increased their reading skill by 1%. But if we go to the white suburbs, the white kids are increasing their reading percentage with the same curriculum by 10 points and 20 points and 30 points. But what they're not telling you is, in that white school district, them teachers know if they don't teach they'll get fired. Them teachers know that they're going to be held accountable. Them teachers know that them parents and those politicians ain't playing that up in the suburbs. But in the ghetto, there's no accountability. In the ghetto, you got the youngest teachers and you got the worst teachers. That's what you have in the ghetto. And you also got the, the white teachers who are so close to retirement that they don't do any work. They don't do any teaching. They just want to keep on maximizing their years so they can get their maximum you, you, return you, on their you, pension. You know, brother... I think you've been around a little while. I think you know of what you speak. I think you've seen it in action. Listen, we've got to go to break. Oh, so, I'm a so school on. principal and vice principal. I've seen it from every angle, Baba. So, the, the, I don't see they, they keep bringing them curriculums in, Baba. The question ain't the curriculum. The question is, when are you going to change the personnel who's responsible for implementing the curriculum? That's the question. But we never had that conversation because of the white privilege that protects the privileged white female teacher from being held accountable for the failure of her black student. Doc, hang on. We've got to go to a break. Uh, sure. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Dr. Umar Johnson's on the line. Uh, you're tuned in to uh, tuned the in. truth uh, in the afternoon. We'll be right back. More of the truth in the afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris, sponsored by Concordia University, Wisconsin, is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. All right. Uh, welcome back to Truth in the Afternoon. On the line, Dr. Umar Johnson. Uh, we'll be coming back to the phone lines uh, after the break. So hang on. We'll be right back. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris, sponsored by Concordia University, Wisconsin, is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Last night, people protesting in Minneapolis escalated as demonstrators were lashed by tear gas. All right. Uh, welcome back to The Truth in the Afternoon. Uh, Earl Ingram filling in for Dr. Ken Harris. Uh, on the line, Dr. Umar Johnson. Let's go to the phone lines. And Thomas, thank you very much for being patient and waiting. Uh, how you doing, sir? What was you, your question to comment quickly? Thomas? Hello? Yes. 
Oh, hey. Oh, Hebrew. Okay. How you brothers doing? Shalom to all you brothers. How's yes, everybody? Yes, sir. All right, quickly. Oh, uh, just my... Okay, quickly. I'm sorry. I'll do this quick. That's my right. whole thing uh, with Brother Umar, he made some good points. But what I was waiting for him to uh, speak about it is it's not really the system. I mean, it, it, the whole system, as black people, we shouldn't be a part of that. Because when it was created, we were, what, three-fifths of a man, right? And so 400 years, 500 years later, it, it's no coincidence that we're still fighting civil rights. We're still trying to get into the system that wasn't created for us and begging them to change it for our favor. So I think as black people, our whole mindset should be homeschooling, should be getting out of that system, because every time we've gotten out of that system, they came across the ball on us. Look at Rosewood. Look at things. And every time we, as black people, created for ourselves, it was an issue for those who don't look like hey, us. Hey, brother, thank you very much. I wish we had more time. We'll let him respond. Uh, let's yes, go. indeed. And I agree and disagree. He's totally correct in what he said. I just want to make sure that the thesis of the point is that although we must do for self, we must still have a hand in the affairs of this nation so that we can control or limit. The I don't know. Did we lose him? Dr. Umar? Okay, so I don't know. It looks like we may have we may have lost the phone lines for the time being. It certainly, if you listen to Dr. Umar Johnson uh, and put all other things on the shelf and just listen to what it is he has to say again, he is going to be um, at sixty six thirty three West Mill Road, uh, seven p.m. to ten p.m. On the 21st, it's free of charge. Uh, make sure you write that down. Make sure you get there. Uh, I'm going to be there for sure because there's a lot that I need to learn, uh, even at this juncture of my life. Hey, you can listen to the interview on the app. And the app, the, they can get the app. Download the app, yep, from the, truth, uh, from the Apple Store and the Google Play Store. All right. Uh, thank everybody. I got to get out of here. See you later.